Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us today. Today we have a special program because people that listen to our show are going to say, you have a petroleum engineer, a agricultural engineer, somebody dealing with oil on your show, to which I say, yes, we must listen to everybody. Greg Cosera is Director of Marketing for Shale Crescent USA, a regional nonprofit research and economic development organization. He is a professional engineer and an environmentalist with more than 35 years of experience in the natural gas and oil industry. Cosera is the author of the books, of the books Just the Fracks, ma'am. When I heard that name, you know what I said. And Learned Leadership, a boys high school soccer coach whose teams have won 16 regional and five state championships. This guy is an engineer. He's, he's even engineering wins on the field. He understands the importance of teamwork and leadership. Greg, welcome to Politics Unright. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. How about you? I am doing great, Greg. Uh, l- let, me, let me tell you, um, when, when they asked me to you know, talk to you, my first thing is like, don't you guys listen to my show? Why do you are, you, are you going to really bring Greg to my show? To which then, then I said, yeah, you must listen to my show because what I like to do is I like to hear all sides of a story. I like to hear everything. So first of all, uh, the original context of the conversation is bringing manufacturing back to the United States, making sure that we build things. I also noticed that you are a leader group, a nonprofit that centralizes in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and what state am I missing? Ohio. And Ohio. Uh, you know, um, and these are states that are in dire straits right now. Manufacturing has left them. Manufacturing never was a part of West Virginia. West Virginia was always a for- forgotten state. First of all, tell me what, what's your goal? Our goal is really simple. We want to bring as a nonprofit, non-government, our role is to bring jobs, not just jobs, but high-wage, career-oriented jobs back to this region, the Rust Belt. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is petrochemicals, the first ethane cracker was 10 miles from where I sit today. I live outside of Charleston, West Virginia. So the whole chemical valley during the Cold War, we were on Russia's target list for because, but what happened when our energy went away, when OPEC suddenly in the 70s became the, the world's oil supplier, we saw the Gulf Coast, where you're located, begin to grow. And suddenly overseas labor was cheap. So we lost our, we lost our manufacturing. All my relatives, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Berto, and our family was in steel. Well, my all of a sudden, my whole family is unemployed because the steel mills went away. So we have this unique opportunity now because we have abundant energy. As a matter of fact, you may not know, your listeners may not know and viewers, that that region, Ohio, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, if it was a country, would be the number three natural gas producer in the entire world. Number three. The only places that produce more natural gas than Shell Crescent, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, is number one is the rest of the U.S. without us the Gulf Coast, offshore, Texas, Oklahoma, Alaska, number one, number two, Russia, number three, us. Can you imagine that? That little part of the United States produces twice as much natural gas as the entire nation of China. So that energy advantage, and to your point, it's not energy for burning stuff. What most people don't grasp is to make 
the shirt, the computers, everything we got takes molecules, petrochemicals, and there's nothing wrong with renewables, but the only thing they make is electricity. They can't make a car. You got to have those molecules to do that. So we have this, we got the energy, we've got the workforce because we've been an old manufacturing area, and we have the location because 70% of the people that use, that make things out of polyethylene, polypropylene, are in our region. So right today, those polyethylene pellets are being made on the Gulf Coast, and they're being shipped up to my part of the world. Can you imagine what that does for efficiency? Can you imagine what that does for carbon footprint? So we have this unique opportunity. I think what happened during the pandemic, I think we all got hit with the realization that we didn't realize how much stuff we were getting from overseas. It worked out. And can you imagine things like PPE, face masks, uh, gowns, even uh, ventilators, medical equipment. We, we were depending on places like China for that. And well, I'll tell you what, when we're depending on other nations to protect our people, and even 80% of our prescription drugs aren't made here, it's time to bring it back. And we can talk about it more. We have the advantage. We can make it cheaper and more efficiently here in this country than anybody in the world. Now, um, when it comes to energy, you, you, you point out that uh, uh, one of the first steps we could take to reduce carbon footprint is to just start manufacturing here because the amount that we spent, or rather the amount that we burn on transport, the amount that we, that, that, that we burn to create all this, the, the chaos within the market by not building things here have an actual footprint and that could be a start. Did I understand that right from your writings? Absolutely, because if you think about what's going on today, China, who's obviously that's China and Asia, particularly China. I mean, you look at about any look around your office and your house, you'll find something, probably a lot of stuff made in China. China doesn't have their energy. I already talked about that. They're getting most of their feedstock, their energy from OPEC, a lot of it's coming from Iran or from Russia via pipeline. So that's a carbon footprint to move that those molecules from the Middle East to, let's just say, Beijing. Then they make a product, and it, may, it might be, who knows, my shirt or a computer or whatever. And then where's it come? They got to ship it halfway around the world to the United States. That's a huge carbon footprint. Now, today, what the opportunity that we have in this country is in my region, and even in, if you look at the Gulf Coast, we have the energy right here in this country. We have more energy. We're the leading oil and gas producer in the world. So we got the energy. We got the feedstock. And in our region, the, the feedstock and energy is literally under the plants. Can you imagine? It's right there. So that's almost zero carbon footprint, very minimal. And then when you make that product, you're making it, like, for instance, the pellets when it's Shell and PT tier two cracker is going to be built in the region. Those pellets are being made from American energy under the plant. They're being trucked to converters, people that make stuff right within a few hundred miles of those plants. And then where's that stuff go? It's going to Atlanta, Detroit, Chicago, New York City, Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Baltimore, right there in the region. So can you imagine how small that carbon footprint is compared to what China's doing? And the beauty of it is, is we're creating these high wage jobs. And I'm, a, I'm also an adjunct professor at a community college. My students, Alberto, start at 60 grand a year. 
that's huge for someone right out of school. They're making, they're making minimum wage now and they're getting 60 grand a year. And what I love about it, I said, gentlemen, ladies, what are you going to buy with that stuff? What do you think the first thing they want to buy is? Uh, no, right. What, what, what's the first thing you think they want to buy? For, for, they're going to buy a car. They're going to buy a home. They're going to buy, they're going to buy a whole lot of stuff. You, you nail it, except in we're in West Virginia, so it's not a car. It's a pickup truck. What is it? What is it? It's a pickup truck. Oh, a pickup. Yeah, you're in West Virginia. Okay. Yeah. So they're so but that but that they're gonna you're right, they're gonna buy stuff. Now the third one, you nailed it. Car or actually pickup truck house. And then since we're in West Virginia, they're gonna buy West Virginia WV Mountaineer football season tickets. Oh yeah. Yeah. But see what that does to the local economy. So now you're not just talking about these young people with sixty or seventy or eighty thousand dollar year jobs. What are they doing? They're the, the people that sell that pickup truck, the people make that pickup truck, the people that make that tv the flower shop on main street because now they can buy flowers for their spouse on valentine's day or maybe just friday just for the heck of it that's where how we grow our economy and create those manufacturing jobs create four other spin-off jobs of some sort and in Actually, some probably cases, they're gonna build a house that. Probably more than that when you take a look at the local economy, the bread maker who's selling more bread, the you know, so all of that goes. And the restaurants, yeah. So can you see where that's how, and today when we buy that stuff from China, if I get buy this pen from China and my masks and all the PPE I'm getting, who gets those jobs? They do. And we're not even getting any tax benefits of it. So these are all these young people are paying taxes, they're paying state taxes, local taxes, federal taxes. What a way to grow our economy and really create this. And you know, what's fascinating, this does something else that's really powerful. I was on radio with a lady in Chicago and we probably don't have the same political persuasion. That's okay. But when it comes to jobs and bringing them, bringing high wage jobs back, we're absolutely on the same page. And she said, she asked me this question, she's Greg, We've got all these vacant buildings in Chicago. What can we do? How can we bring manufacturing back to our to Chicago? Because if we can put jobs in those into those into those vacant buildings, we can give our young people hope. And if we give our young people hope, we can end the gun violence in this city because now they have something to live for. They have a reason to stay off drugs, to, to stay out of a gang. We're giving them hope, and that's the stuff. And in my region, a big problem. We still have an opioid problem. My students don't have an opioid problem because they know in, in May, they'll, if, they, if they stay drug-free and graduate, they got that $60,000 a year job waiting for them. That's how we create hope. And that's how we begin to change really people's lives in a very positive way. So I'm really pumped up about that kind of stuff. Let me tell you, Greg, you need to run for something, um, you know, but I, I, want, I want to now challenge you in a particular area and, 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 and let, let's see how we get there. Um, we need that impetus. We need that, we need that passion for jobs into something that is sustainable. So I have a question for you. I meet you halfway. What I mean by that is um, as an engineer, both of us are engineers, so we can speak at, at, at a particular level. I understand that, uh, you know, gradients. Uh, bad things happen at large gradients. We know that whenever there are big changes, that's when bad things happen. So as a progressive activist who really wants to get things done, I realize that we have to have on-ramps for changes 
but the longer that we wait for on-ramps to changes, the steeper that on-ramp has to be. And that is where somebody like yourself comes in. You're an oil man. Let's put it bluntly. You have everything that you've just said is in the power of using oil to create great wages for the people that you are likely to represent, which is a damn good thing. You want those people employed. My question to you, however, is this. Knowing what we know about the environment, if you believe, uh, if, if, if you believe the science of what's going on in the environment right now, uh, wouldn't it be uh, apropos to make sure that as we build your crescent region, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, that you make it transitional for these people that yes, you're sitting on a on a flotilla of of a, of of a gas that can be used as a catalyst right now for building other things other than burning. Wouldn't it behoove you to create policies in that region? that make them sustainable and not that when the crash, when some crash comes with, well, we really have to do something about energy now, that they are not in the same place again that all these rust belt places are in because some fast change occur and their, their, their business model was not sustainable. That's a, you know, I, I love that question. You're, you're, and that's a great question. I think what, it, I don't know, I sense you're younger than I am. So do you remember the bionic man? No, I'm probably older than you are, but it's okay. But do you remember the, the bionic man, Steve Austin? Of course, I remember that. It's the $6 million man. Is what that's it. it. That's it. That's it. Right. Well, I remember how that show started. So do you. Is we can rebuild him. We can make it better. Right. And I have a vision. And, and it's funny, to your point, is it's taken a little while for people, even within our organization, Shell Crescent, because we're a nonprofit, but we're founded by community and business leaders and we're not our whole role is jobs and if we can do it with renewables or whatever it doesn't matter let me interrupt you a second let me interrupt you a second because i went to your crescent website right and your crescent website um maybe i didn't look far enough i didn't see i i, I didn't see a transitional kind of a thing that says we are going to make sure that I know you're a nonprofit and you're doing damn good work. That's not what I'm hitting at all. What I'm trying to figure out is in the process of building up that region, you're going to have a transition to say we're doing it because we get into too many ideological battles that we shouldn't Absolutely. be into. Okay. You and I want the same thing for our kids, etc. So Absolutely. we should find the, uh, the, the, the correct way to get us to a sustainable planet. Okay. That's not going to do the wrong thing. And, 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 you're, and, and when you made that comment about we can start by reducing transportation and we get two, two bangs, we get more jobs here and we reduce a carbon print. I buy that. There's a third bang out of that. that Go you, ahead. And this is what no, and, and here's the part that really concerns me because, you know, this whole if, if, if the people that talk about climate change are right and if we've got a limited window. And you and I both as engineers grasp that mm -hmm. you got to do something. I mean, the time for talk, I've waited 30 years. I'm done with talk. It's time right. to act. And what nobody has come up with yet is what do we do about China? Our CO2 levels in this country have dropped. We just last year, they went down 2%, but we're down 14%. So we're lowering CO2. China is, they haven't even, 
they haven't ta- we're not talking about lowering theirs they're still increasing now doggone it i'm smart enough and you're supposed smart enough as engineers to know that if we're going to solve the global problem we can't do it if china's still doing this sure, and sure. here's how we fix that and they're china's not going to come willingly i don't think i mean matter of fact they're still open there i mean it's boggling my mind they're still opening new coal plants over there so everything we do is being undone. Here's how we fix that. We start bringing that industry back from China. We start to force their hands. And that's how we do that. Ford wants to be carbon neutral. If, I had this, if you were the CEO of Ford, I'd look you in the eye right now. And I'd say, here's how you fix that. Shut that plant down in Beijing and bring it over to, bring it to Houston. Bring it to Parkersburg, West Virginia, or Cambridge, Ohio, or... Pittsburgh, PA. That's how you do it. And instead of bringing that oil to Beijing and then sending those car parts here, you bring that plant here or begin to transition, begin to make less. If you're going to ship it to the United States, make that product here. Make what you want to in Beijing and ship it to China and India. That's how we start. Nobody, I have not heard anything that's got anything at all to do with how do you deal with China? Here's one way we fix China. We start sending them our natural gas so they can maybe not not build any more coal plants. I don't know, but we got to deal with that. And nobody, that's not on anybody's radar screen. And you and I both know if we got a a 401k, the part of my 401k that may be growing, if it's being undone by the rest of it, that's losing money, I got to change that. And yeah, even, uh, now, if we don't change China. We're in deep, deep. I think deep. We, this this has to be something that we. It's not only China. It's also India. It's all the developing right. countries. Okay, exactly. And and I want to make a, a what I want to make a moral a moral thing here, and that is we as the United States, we are as the wealthiest country in the world. We did that by throwing a whole lot of carbon into the air. That's what we did, and so did uh, so did the UK, etc. So um, we have to pay a bigger cost, in my humble opinion, when it comes to f- not forcing but negotiating with others to stop throwing carbon into the air because they could say, "Well, you threw X amount of carbon in the air over the years to become rich. We may need to do the same, and we have to find some moral answer to that." to that reality of enriching, you know, enriching one's sure. country. So that is something to be negotiated. But you're absolutely right that if we are the only ones cutting, uh, just one of the reasons for regulations is that you want everybody to be playing on the same field, on, a, on, on an even field. In other words, if we don't have regulations in certain places, you could, you could get a competitive advantage by, uh, by not being a good steward, and I get a competitive disadvantage by being a good steward. So we have to have a level playing field in order to execute those things. It's not, it can't be a winner take all or anything like that, which is what well, I, and I think you're talking about what, what I love about that is that's my coach coming out now, mm-hmm. because to me, doesn't matter who on our team, doesn't matter who scores the winning goal, as long as we win. And to that point, I think what we really need is getting enough leadership out there that to put the planet on, the same page what what are we going to do together to fix this problem and i and, and there's a you know i don't know i guess what i would challenge even government to do is don't assume that the answers that we're thinking about now are the right answers if you put the right people together there's better answers out there we just don't know what they are because i guarantee it, if you and i sat down and talked for a while we'd come up with a better solution than some oh, of the other stuff that's look, going on that that is definite look let, let me tell you and, and it's not only that it, it also 
the perfect answer is not always an answer that you can work on, that you can work with. In other words, and that is as, as, an, as an environmentalist, and I think you claim yourself an environmentalist Absolutely, as well. Absolutely. But am. as an environmentalist, as, a, and a, as an engineer, as a progressive, I have certain values. As I, I assume, given that you're an oil man, I assume that you are a conservative guy. I assume all these things. But we live in the same country. We can have a cup of coffee. We can drink and we can do all of those things together and figure out, well, what can we do that continues life on Earth in the long run? Sure, and it doesn't have all, to be a straight line. we're all dead, line. it doesn't matter. Right. So... So my thing is, and one of the reasons I like to challenge and talk to people like yourself is that you have the respect in that community. And if, if, if having that respect in that community, if you can actually show, well, you know, after speaking to a few progressives, maybe we need to sort of meet as opposed to us having these, because some, some of the people with me talking to somebody like yourself, some of, of the folks that I deal with would be like, are you crazy? They are the anti this and the anti. And my thing is, no, they're my fellow brother. Okay. And somehow we have to figure out how a leader in your field, leader in what you're doing and your values can somehow come to a resolution that, look, we know we have a problem. There are also financial areas, there are logical areas, there are work areas, there are all these areas that have to be satisfied at once. How do we do that? And I think, and I think by first having the conversation, we can do that. Uh, you're sitting on a, on, on a you're, you know, the easiest thing to, to think is that because you're singing, sitting on an ocean of gas is that it has to be used. Uh, that I'm sitting on an ocean of something that it has to be used. How do we, how do we tell all those landowners in the Crescent area that uh, you don't have to you don't have to do that, but we're going to have the necessary programs that it's not a burden for you not to have done that. And that is where nonprofits like Crescent and all of that with the proper modal, in my opinion, can actually start laying the groundwork for the people who trust you. I think there's an, there's a, a lot of good opportunities to that because we can't solve a problem if we're, sh if we're shouting at each other. Right. And I think what what the challenge is, and I think we're starting to see that the coal people are finally starting to figure this stuff out, is it's not always about burning something. Now, the one challenge that I have a real uh, concern with a lot of the Green New Deal folks is they don't seem to grasp that you got to have molecules. And, you know, we can go wind and solar wherever we can use it. And I'm fine. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what I'd like to see. If we're going to do offshore wind, fine. Make the windmills in Cambridge, Ohio, or Charleston, West Virginia, and ship them to the East Coast. Short problem. I'd rather make solar panels in my backyard here in Charleston than have them shipped from Beijing. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff. Now, to make those solar panels, we got to have molecules. And the molecules we have in our country in abundance so i think that's the difference but but i gotta i get for it because i know we're, I, I don't want to lose get this out there before we lose time is we're already working on recycling i i've got i've got two companies one from israel that i'm really excited about and our goal my goal and our region's goal is to create this circular economy in other words instead of and i love the israeli what we call garbage they call feedstock 
And what they're going to do is set up near our landfills. And as these trash trucks come in, they have to separate the glass and the metals. The rest of the stuff, the hot dog wrappers, the, the waste salad, they use all that stuff and they turn that into a pellet that'll make a product. And that's the stuff. When we start turning, instead of burying this stuff in the ground, now what we've got, to your point, we're not using, now we're not using even that natural gas resource. It, we're not using as much of that because we're using that trash and we're turning that into a product. And I'm loving what they're doing because that's the whole concept is we're creating this circular economy instead of plastic. We got to have plastic. We got to have it for face shields and medical equipment about everything we use. My wife wouldn't be alive without plastics. Right. Now we're using them circularly. What an opportunity. Greg, out of this conversation, that I, I, this is the, the type of conversation I think we should have. This is the type of conversation I think we need to have a lot of, expand it a bit more, and then come to a few better points. But as I always ask my guests, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Wow, good question. Because I think we've covered a ton of stuff. I think the, the, the main thing that I think what I'd like to see is how do we get everybody on that same page how do we start this how do we because what i when we did a ton of radio last year because of the pandemic we, we couldn't go places but we end up doing a lot of media and what i've seen and and matter of fact to give everybody out there hope is it didn't matter whether it was red state blue state liberal conservative urban rural everybody i had guests call in last year Everybody that I talk to, no matter where, downtown Chicago, San Francisco, you name it, wants to see manufacturing and jobs come here. And that's something we can build on. And I think that's that's how we start. And I think even the president wants to see, he, he, he gets the, the idea that if we got to depend on China for ventilators, and if we got to depend on China for our personal protective equipment, that's not good. So we need to be making more of these products here and we can do it because we have advanced manufacturing. We've got a great labor source. We have feedstock and we, we are right here where the big market is and where the people need that stuff. So that's, you know, maybe that's the, the thought process is how do we begin? And we begin by starting to make what we know we have to make here. Greg Cosetta, it's been my pleasure to have you on Politics Done Right. We must keep the conversation going. Thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for what I know you're going to do in the future. Well, appreciate it. Anytime, anything we can do to help, to get you information, to do whatever, because this is all of our country. This is all of our world. And, you know, it's not just about you and I. I got kids. I got grandkids. And I got, a, and I got friends around the world. Thank you, my friend. We got to take care of everybody. Absolutely. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Appreciate what you do. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know
is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.